This is Spreaker Web Radio. As we come to this time today, Lord God, I ask that you take this few simple moments and let it be an encouragement to someone listening. Let it be an encouragement to those who have tuned our way today. Lord, that they might hear something that will be a message right from your spirit to them. Glory to God. Let us not say or do anything in this particular time uh, or any time, Lord, that would grieve the Holy Spirit of God. But let's lift up Jesus. Lord, we want to lift up Jesus and give you all the glory today. We thank you for our lives today. We thank you, God, for our ministries today. We thank you for the privilege of being in the ministry and serving Jesus with our whole heart today. Oh, glory be to God. We thank you for our health. Lord, we thank you for our families. We thank you for our finances. We thank you for our futures today, Lord. And we praise you for bringing us this far and keeping us. God, I thank you today for your keeping power. Lord, that we were still serving God and we have no plans to do anything else. Lord, we give you the praise and the glory. Our sufficiency is only to be found in you. And Lord, we ask that you bless this time now in Jesus' name. Pour forth the anointing of your spirit in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Uh, I, I do want to, at the beginning of this, read a verse of Scripture that's one of my favorites, uh, just kind of as a little uh, introduction to this time today. It's, it's not really a message, as I said. I just want to share some things from my heart, but I believe it'll bless you, and I believe it'll help you and encourage you, and especially those of you that are in the ministry uh, that, that listen to us, and we have quite a number of ministers that do, uh, I think it will bless you and, and help you, and, and that would be my prayer anyway. But if you'll turn with me, please, to the book of Philippians for a moment, we will look at uh, chapter 3 and beginning at verse 13. This is one of my favorite, favorite passages of Scripture, so if I get off on it and preach a little while, we'll get back to to this other that I'm telling you about in a moment. Verse 13, Brethren, this is Paul, the great apostle, talking. I count not myself to have apprehended. Now, Paul's saying simply, you know, I haven't arrived. When I stand here at this microphone or I sit here at this desk or I talk to you in person or I minister to congregations around the nation, Len Paxton has not arrived. Amen. I'm still depending totally and entirely on the Lord Jesus Christ. I need his grace. I need his mercy. Amen. Without him, I'm nothing. Amen. I, I count myself not to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't it wonderful to know today that we have a high calling of God in Christ Jesus? I wouldn't trade what I have in Christ today. I wouldn't trade me 
being in the ministry, I wouldn't come down to become the President of the United States. I mean that sincerely. It's a high calling. If you're, whatever you're called of God to do, whatever, you may not necessarily be in one of the five-fold ministry gifts, or you might be. And I think oftentimes the five-fold ministry gifts are even mingled amongst the members of the body, and sometimes we classify them too much by uh, religious tradition. I think there's some some pastors that are being birthed in the body right now. I think there's some evangelists that are in the body. I think that uh, that there's a lot of apostles and prophets and teachers that are right there in the body, and they are operating in a five-fold ministry gift, and maybe because they're not on some salary at some church somewhere, maybe they don't even realize and recognize that they're a five-fold ministry gift to the body of Christ. But even if you're not a five-fold ministry, whatever God has called you to do is a high calling. Excuse me. And I like the way the New American Standard puts it. It's an upward call of God. God never calls us to come down in the sense of, of lowering us. He calls us upward. You know, children of God, don't, don't take this in the wrong way and don't misunderstand, Brother Paxton, but we are royalty. We are servants, we are children of the King, of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? We are, we are children of God. We are servants of the King of kings. We are royalty. We are ambassadors for Christ, the Bible says. So God hasn't created us to be worms. God has not created us to be insignificant and little nothings and nobodies. Now, hear me. Our strength is in Christ. Our worthiness is in Christ. Our, uh, our, uh, how do you say it? Our strength is in Christ. Our worthiness in Christ is in Christ. Our purpose is to be found in Christ. Our vision is to be found in Christ. The Bible says that your life is hidden in Christ, with Christ, in God. So, in other words, apart from him, we are nothing. But in him, we are important, and we are special in the eyes of God. He loved us. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. So it's an upward call. It's a high calling. But he goes on to say, if you'll, if you'll, if you'll back up, I, I started a little bit uh, too late in these verses. If you'll back up to verse uh, 7, chapter 3 of Philippians, verse 7, Paul said this, What things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Listen to the words, listen to the heart attitude of the Apostle Paul. Yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him. Oh, hallelujah. That's my prayer, is that I'll be found in him. 
And I want to boldly declare it today. My salvation is in him. My, my Holy Ghost baptism is in him. My righteousness is in him. Amen. My life is in him. My hope is in him. My faith is in him. My trust is in Jesus. Glory be to God. My prosperity is in Jesus. My healing is in Jesus. Glory be to God. And I am nothing on my own. Apart from him, I can do nothing. I abide in him, and he abides in me. Glory be to God, the divine entanglement. Hallelujah. That's the secret to the power of the Christian, is to be in Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And here's, here's the verse, that I may know him. Oh, what a statement. What a statement. We've got a lot of people in the, in the church world today that knows about him, but he wants us to know him, intimately know him. He wants us to know his heart. He wants us to see his vision. He wants us to be moved with his compassion. He wants us to know his ways, not just his acts. Did you catch that? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Let me say one thing here about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Christ is what made valid the death of Christ upon the cross. You see, we've got to have both. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I just, I just did an in-depth study on that entire chapter. The, the Bible says, if Christ be not risen from the dead, then our preaching and our faith is in vain. Why? Because a dead Jesus could not change lives. A dead Jesus could not deliver from sin and bondage. A dead Jesus could heal no one. But glory be to God today, he's not dead. He's alive. He's risen from that grave. Hallelujah. The tomb is empty. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. And because he lives, we shall live also. And Jesus gives us that more abundant life. Glory be to God. You know, we don't have to get caught up in the rat race of life. But if we will put our faith in what Jesus did at the cross and the resurrection, we will see a peace in our living, in our lives, that passeth all understanding. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding that the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. Glory be to God because of what Jesus has already done. See, he's not a dead Jesus. He's a living Lord. Hallelujah. I know from personal experience because 18 years ago, I was a drug addict. I'd taken every kind of drug except heroin, I guess. I never took any of that heroin. I was bound by drugs. I, I started when I was nine years old, and I took drugs till I was 18, well, 17, almost 18. 
every day of my life almost. And I, to be honest with you, perfectly honest, I don't remember missing any days, but I'm sure I didn't do it every single day. But it, almost every single day I had some kind of drug coming into my body. My mind was, was wild, friend, I'll tell you. Criminal tendencies were in my life that I had opened the door to the devil. Of course, I didn't know that. I was in my sinful nature, and I didn't understand any of that at the time. But I want to tell you something. I serve a living Lord today because he came in and into my heart, into my life. He invaded my life, and he changed me. Glory be to God. He set me free from drugs and from alcohol, from criminal activities. Jesus set me free. He's not dead. He's alive. I got born again by the power of the cross of Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit bringing that in and making it a reality of my life, not from any dead thing, but it was a living Lord that worked that change in me. Glory be to God. So I know that he's alive. And I know that our preaching is not in vain. And I know that the message that we preach, Christ and him crucified, Christ and him risen from the dead, Christ and, and him coming back again, I know that the message that we preach has the answer for the ills of humanity in completeness. We have the total answer. We don't have one answer among many. Jesus Christ is the total answer to the total problem of the human race. And if you will come to Christ today, he will change your heart and life for time and eternity. Glory be to God and the Lamb forever. Hallelujah. Faith in the cross. Faith in the blood. Faith in the resurrection of the Lord. Amen. Now, I, I, it's time, Church of the Living God, it's time that the church once again begins to preach the full gospel. What do you mean by preaching the full gospel? The gospel of the kingdom. What do you mean by the gospel of the kingdom? Jesus saves. Jesus baptizes in the Holy Ghost. Jesus heals. Jesus prospers. Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. The full gospel. Because it meets the fullness of mankind's needs. And it all comes through Calvary that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, there's one we don't like to talk about today. The church wants to do little, if any, talking today about suffering, but there are some sufferings that comes along with this. Jesus suffered for us, and if I am called upon to suffer him, I am willing to do so. What do you mean by suffering, Brother Paxton? Cancer? No. No. Cancer is an attack of the devil, and Jesus Christ wants to heal us. Amen? Jesus doesn't put sickness and disease on people, so let's clarify that from the very beginning. What is suffering for the Lord? <clears throat> Sometimes we suffer just to bring our flesh into obedience to God, but that's what he's called us to do. Sometimes we will suffer the persecution 
of the world and the world system because of our living for Christ. And we must enter into that fellowship because we are of another world. Glory be to God. And if we're going to accept the blessings of the kingdom of God, we need to hearken to the call of the kingdom of God, which is come out from among the world, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and I will be God to you. Glory to God. He's God and I'm not. Hallelujah. And if my flesh starts to rise up against that, I put my flesh in its rightful place. Where's that? Crucified with Christ. Glory be to God. I reckon myself dead indeed unto the flesh and unto sin and consider myself alive unto God. That means if God gets me out of bed at 3 o'clock in the morning and tells me to pray for Africa, that's what I'm going to do. Now, that's suffering to my flesh. But I'm called to be an obedient son. I'm called to be obedient to the Lord, so I do it gladly. Hallelujah. This is where we've got to focus our uh, attention. The focus of our Christian life is to obey the Lord. The Holy Spirit will empower us to obey Him if we will be willing. If we will will to do it, the Holy Spirit will work it into our lives if we'll put our faith in the cross. Amen? The Bible says those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. When the great apostle Paul was called on the road to Damascus, the Lord told Ananias, tell Paul the great things that he must suffer for my name's sake. Again, it's not talking about, uh, you know, God letting the devil beat our brains in and God uh, turning his back on us or God sending some sickness and disease and calamity and tragedy upon our lives. That's not what it's saying. It's suffering for the cause of Christ and the cause of the gospel. Sometimes it happens and we have to be willing to follow the Lord right through the midst of a valley, if need be. Follow the Lord right out into the blackness of the storm, if need be. Trusting Him, putting our faith in Him that He will care for us. He will bring us through. We will be victorious. We will go through this thing in the power of faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to that I may know Him, the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. You see, there is a death that the child of God must die. It's called death to self. We die to self-will. And we become responsive and alive instead unto the will of God for our lives. And we become obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I like the way the uh, New Century Version, I believe it is, translates, I think, Romans 8, 14. It says, the true children of God. See, there are some false ones. There are some that are masquerading as children of God, but the true children of God are those who let the Spirit of God lead them. And the Spirit of God will always lead us to the cross, first of all. And the Spirit of God will lead us into the fullness of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
and the Spirit of God will lead us into faith in Christ. And the Holy Spirit will lead us into divine healing. And the Holy Spirit will lead us into a proper, per, uh, a proper prosperity uh, uh, situation with the Lord so that we can finance the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit will lead us, and if we obediently follow, then we're fulfilling the call of God on our heart and life. But we die to our own self-will. We die to our own self-will. Hallelujah. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Because if man is left to his own devices, man will always go astray from God. I told you I'd probably start preaching during this. I, was, I, I just started out to uh, read this scripture, but we're going to get to some things here in a moment. Uh, I want to share with you uh, about seven, six or seven lessons that the Lord has shown me uh, as we celebrate our 18th anniversary of living for him and our 17th anniversary of ministry. So we thank God that we've been put in a position today because we accepted what Christ did at Calvary. We're put in a position where we can know him. And it's the sweetest fellowship through it all. Through it all. Whatever, you know, all of the storms of life that do come, it's just so precious to know Jesus. Amen. I would hate to have to face life without him. Amen? I would hate to have to try and stand on my own against the wiles and the strategies and the evils of the devil and the world and the flesh. But praise be to God today, we have a power. We have a, a person, Jesus Christ, the power of his spirit living within us that puts us over in life. Isn't that glorious? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, you know, one of the first lessons that I've learned, and uh, it, it's going to seem like a really simple little statement, but I've learned that no matter what, no matter where I find myself, no matter what position or circumstance I find myself in, I have learned that God is faithful all the time. That's a simple statement, and yet it's profound. God is faithful all the time. Do you realize <clears throat> that there's time when many of, the, many of the people that stand with our ministry prayerfully and financially, there's times when they're not very faithful for whatever reason. I mean, you know, legitimate or otherwise, I don't know, but for whatever reason, there's times when they're not very faithful. There's friends that we have in our lives that... Sometimes they're not very faithful to us. But God is faithful all the time. Amen? And, I, and sometimes when I've prayed for things in my life and it seems like God is saying no, I've learned that it doesn't mean no forever. I, I've learned to just realize and to trust that God is faithful and he's being faithful Whenever my faith has been weak, I begin to medita meditate upon the times like David did. I meditate upon all of the great answers of the past, all of the miracles that God has worked in my past. 
And I understand that God is faithful, not just some of the time, but God is faithful all the time. How many of you have ever seen that little plaque called Footprints? Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful, those two sets of prints, and all of a sudden there's only one? And the man asks, you know, Lord, how come you left me here? I only see one set of footprints. He says, oh, no. The Lord says, oh, no, I didn't leave you. Those one set of prints is where I carried you through. Hallelujah. God is faithful all the time. And, and neighbor friend of mine today, whatever you may be facing, whatever, God will be faithful to you. God will be faithful to perform his word, his promise in your life if you will just have faith in him. Amen. The second thing I've learned is to not tell God's secrets. Now, what do you mean by that? There are some things that God speaks to us that is just for us. Maybe God gives us a vision. Maybe God gives us an assignment that is for the future. And always remember this. Nobody will get as excited about your vision as you do. And, and if you tell it too quick, if God gave it to you as a secret and said, here's, here's what I've got in store for you, but you're not there yet, and you begin to tell it too quick, you open the door for discouragement to come in and rob you uh, uh, of the fulfillment of that vision. When the angel of God told Mary that her son would be the son of God, Mary pondered these things in her heart, the Bible says, Luke 2.19. Sometimes we can get in trouble by talking too much. Samson told the secret of his covenant with God and lost his covenant, lost his anointing, and lost his very purpose in life. Hezekiah showed the Babylonians all the secret things in the house of God, and as a result, Jerusalem was invaded years later by the Babylonian Empire. You can read 2 Kings uh, chapter 20, verse 13. Listen to this. Wise is the man who knows when he has said enough. God's secrets are those revelations that he gives to you personally about your destiny and your future. When you tell God's secrets prematurely, now there's a time to tell, and God the Holy Spirit will show you when that time is, but when you tell them prematurely, you open yourself up for needless attacks from people. So you, you, have, to, you have to realize that uh, <laughs> it's an amazing thing to um, I've learned to tell your blessings to those you bless because they'll appreciate what God is doing through you but don't answer back unjustified criticisms of your ministry because your friends don't need an explanation and your enemies won't accept your explanation. Now, that's 
for what it's worth, that's one thing I've learned. Some secrets are just between you and the Lord, and it would do you well to remember that. The third thing, now well, let me go back there just a moment. There is, there is a time when God will tell us, he will, he will release us to tell the secret that he has given us. But for a season, I have found that everything God has ever told me to do in my life and ministry, that there's a time, and, and it varies in length, but there's a time where we ponder those things in our hearts. There's a time when we just keep them between, you know, me and the Lord, and we, we pray over it, we talk about it together, Jesus and I, and, and I ponder it, and I meditate on it, and the Spirit of God, little by little, begins to show me how he's going to bring it to pass, and I keep it in my heart. I keep it before me. I don't go around blabbing it to everybody. You know, for, for one good example, there's some visions inside of me right now that is so big that if I started telling them right now, y'all think I'm crazy. And why should I open myself up to a bunch of criticism? People, want, you know, going around saying, well, it'll never happen. You can't do that. Who do you think you are? You know, who, who do you think you are, old Robert? You know, who do you think you are? Kenneth Copeland, who, who do you think you are? See, why do I want to subject myself to that when I just wait on the Lord and just keep it before the Lord, and when God brings it to pass, glory be to God, hallelujah, and we give Jesus all the praise and glory for it. There comes a time when we tell, but sometimes we get in trouble because we just run our mouth off. We just shoot our mouth off about things that Jesus just wanted it to be between him and I. You know, so we want to keep that in our mind. Don't tell God's secrets prematurely. And number three, I've learned that I've never been, not one single time have I ever been where God wasn't. But I have been where he wasn't welcome. I've never been anywhere in my entire life where God wasn't there. The psalmist said, if I make my bed in hell, he's there. Amen. The, Solomon said, the heaven of heavens cannot contain God. You want me to build him a temple, but the, the whole heavens and the whole earth can't contain God. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. I've never been a place where God wasn't. I've never been in a situation where God forsook me. I've never been a place where he wasn't, just where he wasn't welcome. Amen. You know, there are places that don't welcome God's anointing. And when we find ourselves in those places, we need to trust the Holy Spirit uh, as to what we're going to do. There's been many times I've ministered in very traditional churches and uh, certain traditions and rituals, but they have, have blocked out the Spirit of God from fulfilling their spiritual needs. I mean... God wanted to be there. God wanted to be there, but they did not welcome him. They did not welcome his anointing. They did not welcome the moving of his spirit. And you know, I believe that this Bible is absolute truth. I, I believe the Word of God is absolute truth. I believe that God is everywhere. I believe God goes with me. That's why I can preach this gospel. I can preach this gospel in a bar. I can, I mean, I don't, I don't go into bars, but I could and preach this gospel just as effectively there as anywhere else because 
while they may not welcome him, he's there. He's there. I can preach this gospel. I can, I can preach this gospel right next door to hell, or I can preach it right in the congregation of the righteous because God is there. And if you, as an individual, will welcome God into your situation, he will change your situation. This word works. It works everywhere. It works all the time. There's not a place where God isn't. There's just a lot of places where he isn't welcome. And we want to we open up the way. We want to preach the word of God today, preaching the cross and the blood and the resurrection and the soon return of Jesus Christ. We want to open up the way to where more and more places will begin to say, Come, Lord Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, and we'll see a true revival sweep America. Praise the Lord God. Well, a fourth lesson that I've learned. I hope you're getting something out of this today. A fourth lesson that I've learned is you're not always ready when you think you are. <laughs> I better say that again. <clears throat> There's been a lot of times when I felt God's pull in my heart to do something, or God's given me a revelation, or uh, God's given me a vision. And that vision was for yet in the future. That vision was for a time in the future. The, the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 3 says, The vision is yet for an appointed time. Because we are not always ready when we think we are. And sometimes there is some preparations that the Holy Spirit has to put us through before we will be ready and equipped to fulfill the vision that God has given us. It's a great lesson. It helps us not to get impatient. It helps us to recognize the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. I'll say it again. We're not always ready when we think we are. Have you ever... Have you ever thought that God was moving too slow? Now, maybe y'all never have, but I have. So why are you moving so slow with me on this, God? Let's speed this thing up a little bit. I mean, I wanted a door to open faster, or I wanted a, a miracle to come quicker, or whatever the case was. Sometimes... Oh, Lord, how do I say this? Sometimes we're even willing, you know, we want a door to open so fast that we're even willing to force it open ourselves or we're willing just to give it a little push from our side. You always get into trouble when you do that. Always you will get in trouble. When I think that I'm ready to launch out into something that God has given me, I need to realize that I'm not always ready. And when I think that the ministry is moving too slow, God is usually, at that particular time, cultivating the vision, cultivating and caring for the dream, building it in me, preparing and equipping me to fulfill it. So if God's not ready to move, now listen to this, if God is not ready to move, and we should not move. We should wait on the Lord. God always has 
a time of preparation before presentation. Jesus' ministry began at age 30. Think of that. Jesus waxed strong in his spirit, and he grew in wisdom and in knowledge. There's times, there's times uh, in our lives as Christians where we're in boot camp. And then after boot camp, we go to AIT. And after AIT, we go to specialty school. And, I, and those are military uh, jargon, and I'm not, you know, I'm not advocating, please understand me, because of the influx of this today. I do not advocate running the church like a military organization. I just don't find that in the Bible. But I'm just using that as terminology. But before a door opens, spend time preparing and, and realize that God's timing is not our timing. And it will help you to stay out of trouble. Amen. And that brings me to the fifth thing that I've learned. <laughs> The fifth thing that I've learned is that waiting on God is the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, I, I, I am not known for my patience. Now, my wife is working on me. <laughs> no, not really. She's praying for me, and the Holy Spirit's working on me. I'm not known for my patience, and it's the hardest thing for me to do is to wait on God. And right on the other hand, though, and one reason why it is so hard is because some people are procrastinators. I don't believe in, in being that. I, if God gives me something, man, I want to get up and get it done, and I want to get it done now, but sometimes it's not God's plan to just jump right out blindly. He wants us to, to be prepared, and he wants us to count the cost. At times, see, we fail to count the cost uh, accurately, and we get into trouble in the ministry. Because we didn't have all of our ducks in a row, and we didn't have all of our bases covered, because we did not have time to listen to the Holy Spirit. We got in a hurry. And we rushed right out into a situation that God wanted us to hear more from His Spirit first. But right on the other hand, we don't want to be procrastinators. And, if, and you know, the Word of God tells us to go into the world and be witnesses unto the world of the truth of the gospel, we don't need trumpet blasts to get up and get preaching. So there's a balance here. In Ecclesiastes 11 and 4, and I'm going to quote this from the Living Bible, it says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. There's a lot of people today that are waiting for perfect conditions. And they don't accomplish much in the kingdom of God because it's never going to be perfect. Before you start that building project, you're never going to have all the money in the bank. Right? Before you go on that television program, you're never going to have all the money. When you bought your home, you did not, most of you, most of you now, did not have all the money to pay cash for that home. You had to get a mortgage. You had to get a loan. If we wait for perfect conditions, we won't do anything. But right on the other hand, there are times when we are called upon to wait upon the Lord before launching out. There's a, there, we need to be discerning. I guess that would be a good way to put it. 
We need to be to have discernment in that area. We don't want to put things off and procrastinate, but we don't want to move ahead of the Spirit of God. We want to walk right in step with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. Waiting on the Lord to open up a door or to answer a prayer or, or for us to just be patient during a test is one of the most difficult things that we'll, <laughs> one of the most difficult lessons that we'll need to learn in our Christian life. If you, run of, if, if you run ahead of God, now listen, if you run ahead of God, you're out there running without him. Do you hear that? And right on the other hand, if you're lagging behind God, you're walking without him. We want to be with God. We want to be in the boat with Jesus. Amen. We don't want to be out there running on our own without the Spirit of God. So don't get ahead of God. We don't want to be lagging behind, walking without God. So don't get behind God. Stay right in step with the Holy Ghost all the time. All the time. Hallelujah. Shika Rabaha. Praise God. I sense the power of the Holy Ghost on that one. Stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Let, let, let me tell you this. There's a lot of, of ministers that are listening to me right now. And you are at that critical point in your life and or ministry. Listen to Brother Paxton. Stay in step with the Holy Ghost. Amen. He will lead you into your fulfilled vision from the Lord. Hallelujah. Number six, let's move right along. All of these we could, we could make a message out of, but we want to just get them all in in this very special lesson today. Aren't you glad to be saved? Hallelujah. Number six, never defend yourself when your critics attack you. I just, I'm going to get a drink of this water, and I just want that to sink in for a minute. Never, never, never defend yourself when your critics attack you. Any subject I preach, now, now listen to me, anything I preach, anytime I get up and open my mouth, just about, I get in trouble. Any subject I preach, there's always going to be someone that's going to criticize it. There's always going to be someone that knows more about it. And that's, that's true. I'm not being facetious with you. There is. I'm sure that there's somebody that knows more about what we're talking about here today than I do. That don't mean they should criticize it. Any method that I would use in ministry, I know there is someone somewhere who won't understand why I did it that way. For some people, I speak too fast. For others, I speak too loud. For others, I don't speak loud enough. Some people think I ought to stay behind the pulpit and not come at them when I preach. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't do that. I've, I've had some people to tell me that I ought to work on being demure, whatever in the world that is, and proper. And I told them when I die, I'll do that. 
The only people who don't have critics are people who are dead. They're in the graveyard, man. Hallelujah. And most of their critics have passed with them. The only people who aren't being criticized are the people who aren't doing anything. I, I hope you're getting something out of this today. Glory to God. Jesus preached, taught, and ministered to people of various different uh, varieties of people. And he did not take the time to defend his methods or his message. When a man knows that he's on a mission from God, then he needs to offer no apologies to his critics. Well, let that bless you. Jesus knew who he was, what his mission was, where he was headed, his purpose for the world. He didn't take a vote to see if the devil approved of his actions. Come on, somebody. Those who defend themselves end up in some type of a mad wrestling contest. Here's my advice to you. Follow the will of God. Follow the will of God and don't apologize for it. I want to say that again. In your life, in your ministry, follow the will of God. Do what He's called you to do. Do what He tells you to do. And don't apologize to anyone for it. Hallelujah. Stand strong in your relationship with Jesus. Glory to God. And seventh, the seventh thing that I've learned, I'd like to spend more time on there, but the Holy Spirit says that's for another time and another place. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I mean, there, there's so many... There's so many issues that, that, are, that are coming up out of that one statement. Never defend yourself when your critics attack you. You know, just turn the other cheek. Just turn the other cheek, but don't stop doing what God's called you to do. Let everybody and their brother disagree with what you're doing. But if you are on a mission from the Lord, if you know God has spoken to you, you don't need man's approval. And you don't need man's okay. And you don't need man's opinion. If you have heard from God, then obey God. If you've heard from the Lord, obey the Lord. Hallelujah. How, I, I tell you, I, I, had some, I had some guy, you know, ask me the other day, and I, I probably shouldn't even mention this, but we are ordained and we are sent forth uh, from the Missionary Methodist Church, Bishop Ben Covington in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. And I thank God for that, brother. He's a, he's a beautiful man. I, I, I say that. I mean, he's just, a, he's just a beautiful man. He has a beautiful spirit. He has a beautiful uh, character. He's just a wonderful brother in the Lord. And so, you know, we're ordained. My wife and I both are ordained. And we have been sent forth by them. Praise God. I, I, I love that. And I, and I had a preacher the other day ask me, he said, you know, who's your covering? And now I knew... <laughs> I knew what he was talking about, but I kind of played like I didn't, just a little bit. <laughs> I just kind of, you know, what do you mean, covering? He says, what preachers are your covering? I said, preachers? They can't even cover their own backside. The blood of Jesus Christ is my covering. Glory be to God. 
Hallelujah. I get my marching orders from heaven. I get my marching orders from the general commando in chief, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And Jesus is my covering. The blood is my covering. Hallelujah. And if I've heard from God, I won't confer with flesh and blood. I guess I'm just a lot like the Apostle Paul. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I, I just, oh, glory to God, don't defend yourself against your critics and don't let them make you ineffective in your ministry. Glory be to God, you're covered by Jesus if you're walking in obedience to him. Hallelujah. The seventh thing I've learned, let's close this message. The seventh thing I've learned is that sowing and reaping really does work. Glory to God and the Lamb forever. God is a great, big, wonderful God who wants to bless his people. Now let me hurriedly say this. And many of you have heard me say this before, and the Lord's instructed us to teach this this way much more in the future so that we can have some clarity on some particular issues in the church world today. But listen to this. <clears throat> Everything that we believe and every truth that we have latched a hold on for our lives, we need to take that truth and that belief to the cross. And we need to run it by the cross. Now, we get in trouble when we take a truth from the Word of God, like prosperity, or faith, or any other thing, and we try to go around the cross with it, or we try to go beyond the cross. Because everything that we have as believers comes through the cross of Christ. Let me be repetitive, and let me say it again. <clears throat> Healing comes through the cross. Deliverance comes through the cross. Prosperity comes through the cross. The born-again experience comes through the cross. The baptism in the Holy Ghost comes through the cross. Revelation knowledge comes through the cross. The, the way that God chose to get everything to us is through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. That is God's method of dealing with man today. It is not up to the church to change the methods of God. So when we get a truth, we need to take that truth to the cross. I believe that sowing and reaping works because God said it is God who gives me the power to get wealth, but he, he tacked a little something on there that he may establish his covenant in the earth. Jesus said, and this is what I hear when I go to the cross with the great, great, awesome truth of prosperity, I hear Jesus saying to me, Son, your life does not consist in the abundance of the things that you possess. And I say, Yes, Lord. The Word of God tells me from the cross that God meets all my needs, not my greeds, but all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So if I have a need, what do I do? I take it to Jesus. I take it to Jesus. Because let me tell you one thing. That I, I mean, I, uh, there's, there's a lot of people that are taking a, another truth way too far, and they're saying they don't have a need. When Bartimaeus approached the Lord, and Jesus asked him, Bart, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? If he would have said, well, nothing, Lord, I don't have a need, 
he would have walked up there stumbling blind, and he would have walked away from there stumbling blind. See? <laughs> of course he had a need. He said, I want my eyes to be open. Glory be to God. And I want to tell you something today. I have a need. I have a need. That's right. You're hearing this faith preacher say it. I have a need. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need him in all of his power. I need him in all of his glory. I need him in all of his majesty and anointing. I need Jesus. Without Jesus, I can do nothing. And without him and without the cross, I'll never prosper. Now, if you want true, godly, biblical prosperity, if you want every need met, and you want to, and you want to stand in that in a clear conscience before God, here's what you need to understand. The principle of seed time and harvest is the principle of death and resurrection. As one example, let me take you to, what is it, 3 John 2, where he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So we see from that verse of Scripture in the Bible that our, our prosperity in health-wise and our prosperity material-wise is directly linked to our growth and development in the Lord. God does not want us to squander His prosperity. God does not want us to consume it. I'll tell you what He wants. He wants us to build churches. He wants us to build Bible schools. He wants us to buy television and radio time to preach this gospel. He wants us to send our people, listen to me, pastors, he wants you to send some of your people on missions trips around the world. Come on. He wants us as leaders to equip the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry, and, and that means, you know, buying a few of them an airline ticket, and if they're called to go and get them over there and get them preaching. Glory be to God. Releasing others into their ministries. That'll bring prosperity to your life. If you, as Christ did, will live a vicarious life, if you will live life vicariously, if you will multiply yourself into the lives of others, that is prosperity, and that will bring prosperity to your life, your church, and your ministry. Glory to God. Sowing and reaping works. Hallelujah. God has blessed our family. Our income has multiplied about seven times over in four years since we have been, uh, you know, doubling and tripling our efforts of sowing finances. What you sow, you will reap. That's also why it's important that you give out of a heart of love and compassion, that you love God. That's why you give to him. You give out of obedience, but you give out of love. And when you give, you stand on the promises of God, and God will meet your needs. But the, the priority has to be correct there. So I've learned that sowing and reaping works. And, and, and one of the stupidest things that I've ever heard anybody say is, well, you know, brother, I can't afford to tithe. Let me tell you something, brother. You can't afford not to tithe. You can't afford not to give. If you want to get financial prosperity rolling in your life, you better be a tither. And you better, you better pray to God and ask for wisdom and understanding. Amen.
Now, now let me uh, let me make some other statements about that here, and then we will. Uh, my wife and I have tried to live by some very simple rules uh, from the Word of God relative to sowing and reaping. We, we have given finances and clothes and food, and we've bought things for those who needed them, needed them. And in return, we have seen God. Now listen. Speak to men to give to our bosom. There's a scriptural principle there in Luke 6.38. Some people are afraid to step out. It, now, now here, here's something to remember. If you don't take a chance, you won't advance. I would to God I had a television camera right now. If you don't take a chance, you won't advance. If you stay in your little comfort zone, waiting for somebody to pay your way, You'll never advance. I can't tell you how many meetings I've had to go to. Some of the most ungodly, painful ways of travel that I could think of. I, don't care, I can't tell you how many times I felt God wanted me in a particular meeting and I had to walk off a job in order to get to that meeting. But we're where we are today because we obeyed God. There are times you're going to have to be a risk taker. Amen. Some people are fishing on the wrong side of the boat. Plant your money on the right side of the boat where the fish are. Ministries and churches that are growing, reaching souls, and helping families are worthy of your support. Look at Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4, and, um, and then we'll wrap up what I want to say today. Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with the pre precious and pleasant riches. So if you want precious riches and pleasant riches to come into your chambers, into your house, into your ministry account, you need the wisdom of the Lord, you need understanding from the Lord, you need to plant your seed in the right place, all of that is scriptural. You need to take a chance if you wish to advance, and you need to stand firm on your commitment to give, to take this gospel to the world, and you will begin to reap blessings like you never dreamed possible. I cannot understand anyone being against the true prosperity message. Now, there's a lot of what is being taught today that's just flat out bordering on heresy. But there is a true prosperity message also. And it's, it's everywhere in the Bible. God's a blesser. God's a blesser. God's a blesser. If we'll come by way of the cross... And according to the prescribed principles in the Word of God, if we'll live our life in obedience to the Word, God will bless us. Hallelujah. Sowing, now, sowing and reaping does work. Now, let's cover all seven of them just briefly. And then we'll close. Hallelujah. I hope you got something out of this today. Here's some things that I've learned. 
in my life with the Lord. God is faithful all the time. And I've learned not to tell God's secrets prematurely. I've learned I've never, ever been where God wasn't. Just I've been to a lot of places where he wasn't welcome. I've learned that you're not always ready when you think you are. I've learned that waiting on God is absolutely the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I've learned to never defend myself when my critics attack me. And also I've learned that sowing and reaping is a vital kingdom principle, and it really does work. Glory be to God, it works. Hallelujah. Now, in closing this little time today, I felt that the Lord would have me to ask you seven questions. Seven questions. And I'm not going to elaborate on these. I'm just going to uh, ask you. Number one, are you closer to God today than you were 12 months ago? The second question I wish you to consider, are you right now today, this very day, affecting someone for the kingdom of God? Number three, you know, I believe you should be using your faith for something from the Lord every single day. Are you today believing God for something that seems impossible? I want you to consider these now. Are you closer to God today than you were a year ago? Are you affecting someone right now today for the kingdom of God? Are you believing God today? To do something that seems impossible. Number four, have you eliminated any and all spiritual hindrances that have held you back in the past? Number five, have you forgiven all of those who have wronged you? Number six, and this is a big one. Does your family have total confidence in your spiritual life? And number seven, if Jesus were to come back and return today, would you hear him say, well done to you? Now those are questions. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for all of us today. Lord, we are so thankful to be living for you, and yet we know that so very often we fall short of your glory. And Lord, we ask for the help of the Holy Spirit today that would draw each of us closer to the cross, drawing us closer to your very heart, Lord. Help us today, O oh God, to embrace your vision. Help us to embrace your vision, not to pursue our own but to embrace yours and lord i ask finally as we close this little session i ask lord that you empower each of my listeners with a fresh touch of the holy ghost in their life today and send us forth into the rest of our day in the mighty power of the holy spirit lord Lord, take these words that we've shared and somewhere in them, as stumbling as they may be, I know that you spoke to someone somewhere 
and God drive it with the anointing to their heart and encourage them today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. And if you